Jesus said in Matthew 28 verse 19, Go therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Welcome to Go Teach All Nations, bringing you Christ's teachings through Australian and international speakers. And here is today's presenter, Pastor Daniel Prisbilko. Today's message, Hanging by a Thread. Um, One of the previous churches that I was at uh, here in Sydney some years ago, the head elder of the church uh, had escaped from the uh, Socialist Republic of Romania in the 1980s. Uh, As a young man, this uh, elder, well, he wasn't an elder back then, but as a young man, he was um, uh, called up to serve in the military. And because of his religious convictions, he, uh, he refused to do certain things on the Sabbath. He refused to eat certain foods that they, they gave to him while he was there in the military. And as a result of all that, they thought, you know, this guy's just hard work. They put him in prison. And you can imagine in Romania, the prison is not a very nice place to be. And uh, he actually said that he was there for about a year or two in prison. And he said, unless his mother was allowed to bring him, I think it was like one or two kilograms of food um, every month. She was allowed to visit once a month. Unless she was allowed to bring that food, he says, I probably would have died because they just weren't giving us enough food. You can understand why this young man, after his release, escaped from the oppressive, you probably remember the name, Ceausescu regime back then. Uh, that existed at the time. Together with his, his wife, they risked their lives as they swam across the river. The river was the border of the country and uh, they had previously tried to escape. They paid some money and uh, you know the people just got away with their money, didn't help them to escape. Uh, and so they, they kind of worked out some other place that they again paid some money to and they worked out when the changing of the guards was and you know it was all, must have been very exciting. Uh, to be swimming across the river in the middle of the night. Um, They left their two children behind in Romania, little children. Uh, And thankfully, um, you know, they stayed with the grandparents. Thankfully, not too long afterwards, they were able to get the children out and they were able to join together with their children. Today, this family, uh, well, the elder and his wife, they still live here in Sydney. And, uh, you know, they live a blessed life. They've lived a blessed life here for many years in Sydney. The son uh, grew up here in Australia. He's gone down the track of ministry as well and was a pastor. And today he's a conference president here in Australia. (laughs) And uh, the daughter also, you know, married a pastor. And uh, so they're quite a pastoral family today, aren't they? And, uh, And this persecuted elder and his wife, they have four beautiful grandchildren. What a blessing, right? Uh, Matthew 5, verse 10, Jesus says there, Blessed are the persecuted. Blessed are the persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Do you know anyone who's been persecuted for their faith? Do you know anyone who's been ostracized maybe because of their faith? Perhaps you yourself have been in circumstances where you, you know, your back was up against the wall, so to speak, because of your faith convictions. Uh, 
The Apostle Paul writes in 2 Timothy 3 verse 12, he says, All who desire to live a godly life will suffer persecution. You ever read that? All. How many? All who desire to live a godly life will suffer persecution. So, perhaps if you've never felt any heat, so to speak, on account of your faith, just perhaps, you know, if we've never felt that, maybe we've been hiding under a rock. Hmm? Or perhaps we're hiding our lamp, so to speak, under the bed, as, as Jesus said, uh, rather than putting it out for people to see the light. In January uh, of this year, um, my wife contacted a good friend that she's known since high school. Uh, she found that she was highly, highly anxious regarding global freedoms and the direction that the world was going in. She'd been reading newspapers and, uh, and various uh, laws that were coming out in different parts of the world, etc. And she'd become extremely concerned regarding the subtle erosion of people's freedoms in what we call, or might call, free countries today. This uh, streetwise lady, you could say, you know, she's, uh, she's traveled the world a lot and uh, you know, she has a nominal religious background. Uh, she's uh, lived in a number of major global cities uh, she and her husband ran a successful multi-million dollar global business um, marketing, they, they were make, making um, designer jeans actually and you know they, they were in all the fashion magazines and they, they were living the high life some years ago now um, but she was found to be highly anxious about the future uh, and what the future holds for her little family, her children and was wondering where she might be able to seek a safe haven. That was earlier this year. And what about you? Do you ever feel that our freedoms are being eroded? Anyone? Anyone? Yeah? <laughs> Some people maybe not sure. Uh, Revelation 7 verse 1 tells us that there are angels uh, standing at the four corners of the earth. I, I mean, when... Obviously, the world is not a square. <laughs> we know that the world is a, a sphere, right? But it, it's, it's symbolic, you know, in every direction. The angels are standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth. What do winds represent in, in uh, prophecy? Do you know? Strife, yes, war and, and things like that. To prevent any wind from blowing on the land or on the sea or any tree. There will clearly come a time when there will be strife all over the earth. That time is not yet. But we ought to be praying. What should we be doing? We should be praying that God will hold back a little longer so that we have time to share the truth about the second coming of Jesus and the things that go with that in a time of freedom rather than a time of oppression. What do you say? Hmm? Would you rather be doing it in, under oppression or freedom? Mm. You may not know, but currently here in Australia, essentially, there is no protection for religious liberty. Did you know that? 
There is no protection to use a Bible verse that may cause offence to somebody. True? We saw that in the news the other year. There is no protection uh, to conduct or not conduct a, a marriage ceremony, you know, according to a faith tradition. Uh, and potentially soon to come, there may be no protection to hire or fire uh, based on uh, a faith organisation's values or beliefs. I mean, I remember one time there was a, there was a youth director in the conference where I was growing up and uh, he put his hand up. He wanted to be the president of the conference and um, they didn't give him the job. He left, he, he quit. And soon after that, he, uh, he, he announced that he was an atheist. Imagine. Imagine if he had been the conference president. Can you sack a person like that? You'd think you should be able to, right? Today, our religious freedoms are hanging by a thread. Religious leaders of numerous persuasions recently, you know, the Christians, Muslims, Jewish, Hindu, etc., they met with government officials here in, in New South Wales, um, to encourage the safeguarding of freedoms that we've taken for granted for so many years in our democracy. And uh, it shouldn't surprise us as Adventists, of course, that prior to the second coming, there will be a time of great difficulty and a time of persecution. We currently already live in a secular culture where there is very little support for religious liberty. Have you noticed that? Uh, you know, every time the census comes around, there's more and more people that are just ticking the no religion box. So like, why should they care, right? Uh, and people of faith are almost um, considered to be a has-been, okay, uh, in the eyes of many and particularly in, in the media, popular media. Now, the Daniel, uh, Daniel, the prophet Daniel says in, uh, in Daniel chapter 12, verse 1, that there shall come a time of trouble. A time of what? A time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation until that time. Interesting, right? A time of trouble such as never was. Has it ever concerned you that the laws enacted in our very own country here in Australia can potentially cause situations where church leaders may end up in jail uh, because they choose to follow their conscience, their convictions, their faith according to the Bible, rather than laws enacted in Parliament. I mean, the country where my parents came from, uh, faith leaders were sent to jail. And that was probably one of the reasons that my parents migrated to Australia. We see organisations and magazines, you may have seen them, uh, The Voice of the Martyrs. Who's heard of that? The Voice of the Martyrs, right? Uh, they kind of focus in, outline various hotspots around the world today where people are being persecuted for their faith. But of course it's naive for us to think that it will only take place in some you know, maybe godless country or maybe some communist country like Romania, you know, after World War II, like, um, like that held elder was in that I, that I mentioned earlier. This will one day be, I believe, a global phenomenon. How many of you have ever listened or watched um, the debates 
of Parliament. Anyone? It can be quite boring, but it can be quite exciting sometimes, right? <laughs> it, it, it can sometimes they actually talk about things that are actually quite interesting, I find. Um, and so occasionally while I'm driving, I, I might listen to a little bit of, you know, I'll turn on the news radio and there's Parliament. Um, and I don't hear it very often, but I've heard it a number of times and I'm always amazed when I hear it that at the beginning of Parliament, what do they always start with? The Lord's Prayer. Amazing. You know, they refer to God Almighty. They start with the Lord's Prayer every day without fail. Albeit, you know, there have been a number of occasions where, um, where people have, you know, they've attempted to stop having that Lord's Prayer there. Because obviously not everybody uh, there in Parliament is, is a believer, right? We call it the lucky country. But I do believe that our country is blessed. You know, every time I hear that prayer, I do believe that somehow our country is blessed because they pray that prayer every day. Surely. Um, so even though most parliamentarians, you know, for most of them it's probably just a mere formality and not part of their faith, I believe there's still a blessing there. About a month or two ago, uh, we were encouraged, not forced, <laughs> but encouraged. We got an email uh, and um, it was suggested that we focus this Sabbath on religious freedom and ask people to pray for religious freedom and perhaps even write to their local parliamentarian, you know, encouraging that, the, that, um, that we have liberty in, in this space. So this weekend is actually referred to by many churches, many faiths around Australia today as Religious Freedom Weekend. Initially they call it Religious Freedom Sunday. But then we protested and so they made it Religious Freedom Weekend. And so, you know, um, there will be other faiths, other churches probably preaching on the topic of religious freedom this weekend. Um, Seventh-day Adventist Church has always been an advocate of religious freedom. In fact, our church has these periodical magazines called Liberty here, and they've had these periodicals since 1886. Can you believe it? It's probably you know, one of the longest um, periodicals that's still in publication. Um, the earliest periodical was actually called the American Sentinel. Then it changed to the Sentinel of Liberty. And actually since 1906, it's had this name. So for the last 115 years, the name Liberty Magazine. You can find it online, libertymagazine.org. It's a world-leading magazine on religious freedom. And if you were to look up on our you know, general conference website, which is the, you know, the peak administration body in our church, you'll find there um, in the religious liberty section, you'll find this in bold text here on the left hand side. The Seventh-day Adventist Church strongly believes in religious freedom for all people. A person's conscience, not government, should dictate his or her choice to worship or not. Now, some people think we shouldn't meddle or talk about politics, etc. Is that true? And don't mix religion and politics. That's true. You know, we've always stood for a separation of church and state. 
But we've had this department in our church, the department it's called of public affairs and religious liberty, that the church uses to raise awareness and educate government officials, etc., around the world in regards to religious freedom for all. Let me read you a couple of quotes here, uh, what you'll find there on, on the church website. This priority is vital to the Seventh-day Adventist Church. While we are a rapidly growing denomination around the world, the church often finds itself in a religious minority. Is that true? We are. We're a minority. And consequently understands the importance of ensuring that all voices be allowed to speak. The other quote that I got there is here. The Adventist Church believes that fighting religious oppression and defending an individual's right to worship according to his or her conscience, regardless of that person's religious affiliation, is in the interest uh, is in the interest of, of everyone. What is it? Is is in everyone's best interest. Sorry. Over the years, I've seen in, in my ministry, you know, I've lost count how many letters of support I've written for various uh, different people to help them with issues of religious liberty. And of course, whoever gets that letter can quite often just tear it up and throw it in the bin and don't worry about it, right? Uh, but, you know, these letters have often been in regards to Sabbath keeping. It may be a work issue, it may be a study class, it might be an exam or something like that. But generally I've found, because of the countries I've lived in, and that's only been Australia and Guam, <laughs> which is an American territory, uh, you know, free countries that I've lived in. People have been considerate and, uh, you know, whether it's the authorities or the employers or the administrators, they've been open and obliging to people's faith and allowing them to live out their faith. So why is this important? You know, it's important because it doesn't take much. It doesn't take much for freedom to slip. Okay? Let me ask you a question. Um, in the late 19th century, early 20th century, in Asia, or maybe I'll, I'll hone it in, in maybe Northeast Asia, there was a place there that was referred to as the Jerusalem of the East because um, the Christian mission there was so strong. Um, where do you think that was? Where? Korea. Yes, good man. Up the back there, Walter said Korea. Let me hone it in just a little bit closer. Is there a city in Korea where it was the center, the epicenter of this Christian mission? Where? No, it wasn't Seoul. Was it north or south? Ah, was it north or south? Who says north? Who says south? Who doesn't know? <laughs> okay, let me tell you. It was Pyongyang, North Korea. Pyongyang, North Korea. Today, it is one of the most oppressive places for people of faith in the world. 
less than a hundred years ago. It was the Jerusalem of the East. It doesn't take much for freedom to slip. Silence allows the oppressor to thrive. The Nobel Prize winning author Elie Wiesel, a Holocaust survivor, and that's him up there uh, when he was in Auschwitz. Nobel Prize winner, he wrote this. We must always take sides. Neutrality helps the oppressor, never the victim. Silence encourages the tormentor, never the tormented. Sometimes we must interfere. When human lives are endangered, when human dignity is in jeopardy, national borders and sensitivities become irrelevant. Wherever men or women are persecuted because of their race, religion or political views, that place at that moment must become the centre of the universe. Interesting, eh? We need to pour our efforts into holding on to freedom because once freedom is gone, it's very difficult to get back. Today, we must stand for liberty and do so for as long as we can because left unchecked, an oppressive alternative can really rise up exponentially. So in the Old Testament, prophecy demonstrates that the free practice of faith will be prohibited. Um, In the Old Testament book of Daniel, there are two key themes there, worship and obedience. As you go through the book, whether it's looking at the stories in the early part of the book or the prophecies later on, the, the two themes in the book are worship and obedience. Um, and we see a progression, if you like, of challenging circumstances that unfold through the book. In Daniel chapter 1, we have what you could refer to as the diet test. Okay, uh, It's like a preliminary test which tests the young Jewish boys, you know, Daniel and his three friends, regarding their allegiance to God on what is a very simple matter, right? Eating or not eating, drinking or not drinking, uh, things that, that uh, in the scriptures are prohibited. And so, so we see at the end of it how they are rewarded uh, with good health, with wisdom, and they get a promotion as well, right? Then in Daniel chapter 3, we have uh, the situation with the gold, big golden statue, right? And uh, where false worship is enforced, okay? And uh, it's again, it, it's a matter of life and death. Um, and uh, it's there in the Babylonian kingdom. And, and we see that the three friends of Daniel are amazingly rescued from the furnace, the fiery furnace there. Then we move to Daniel chapter 6, which is where this picture uh, alludes to. Daniel chapter 6. And here we have the flip side of the coin. False worship is not enforced, but rather even true worship is prohibited. Okay? And so again, it's a matter of life and death. 
Only this time it's just referring here to Daniel. It's in the Medo-Persian kingdom now. And we see again the amazing rescue of Daniel from the lion's den. Now, these accounts, uh, often we use these stories as children's stories. Isn't that true? Yeah, you'll find them in children's books, uh, Bible books, etc. Uh, but they're more than just great stories of the Old Testament. They're found in the apocalyptic book of Daniel. Apocalyptic, you know, it's talking about end time things and uh, th you know, things to come. And so they are lessons for us today. These events, I believe, will be repeated for the faithful people of God, but on a worldwide scale rather than just on a local scale. If there's one thing we can look, uh, learn sorry, from, from the book of Daniel, it is that in order to be faithful under pressure, we need to develop a faith trust relationship with God in a time of peace. Okay, When things are going well. When under pressure, you know, and, uh, and you, you're forced to go against the law, what might be the law of the land, uh, we see here what Daniel did in Daniel 6 verse 10. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, okay, so the law had been signed. He did what? He went home and in his upper room with his windows open towards Jerusalem, so he wasn't hiding his faith, was he? He knelt down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as was his custom, as was his custom since the early days. So he didn't develop that custom when under pressure in a time of trouble. He developed it and anchored it in a time of freedom, liberty. Friends, as Seventh-day Adventist Christians, which chapter would you say that we are living in the world right now? One, three, or six? <laughs> I see a one over there. I see a few smiles. Some are saying six. Well, I'll let you that work that one. I think it depends really where, which country you're in, right? There are people probably living in all three of them. But I think for us at the moment still here in Australia, we're in number one, right? <clears throat> we're in number one. One of the things I find interesting in Daniel chapter 6 is not that there's some sort of despot king on the throne that wants to nail people that are worshipping in a different way. No. In fact, he's a good friend of Daniel's. He's made Daniel his right-hand man. And he's upset when Daniel because of this silly law, has to go to the lion's den, right? The problem is a coalition of lobbyists, you could say, right? A coalition of lobbying leaders in the kingdom that has influenced the king to pass a law that prohibits religious freedom. Does that make sense? Keep that thought. So I want to fast forward now and jump to the New Testament and the book of Revelation written some, you know, more than six centuries after Daniel. Again, speaking of end time things, we find that there's a coalition that's brought together um, that will ultimately persecute God's faithful people prior to the second coming. In Revelation chapter 13, there are two beasts or ruling powers 
And I don't have time to expand on, on all of this today. Um, you know, if you, uh, if you come to the, uh, the series that I'm planning to run in, in July and August, this one here, okay, we'll, we'll spend an hour on the first beast and an hour on the second beast, okay? <laughs> so we'll, um, we'll kind of unpack it uh, during, during that series. Uh, but the first beast, the sea beast, is a persecuting power that rules through the Dark Ages for a period of 1260 years until the Bible says it is wounded. It lines up with uh, earlier prophecies in Daniel chapter 7 and can easily be identified, if you like, as the successor to the Roman Empire. Okay? Who came after the Roman Empire? The church, right? The church in Rome. And the historians cover that fairly, fairly adequately. But let's read, if you have your Bibles opened up to Revelation chapter 13. Revelation chapter 13. And uh, we'll read there verses 5 to 8. Revelation 13, verse 5 to 8. And he was given a mouth... Speaking great, this is the first beast, okay? Uh, given a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies, and was given authority to continue for 42 months. That 42 months in some Bibles might say 1260 days, and uh, in prophecy, a day is a year, right? So that's that really long period of 1260 years that takes us right through the Dark Ages. Verse 6, then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle and those who dwell in heaven. It was granted to him to make war with the saints and overcome them. And authority was given him over every tribe, tongue and nation. All who dwell on the earth will worship him whose names have not been written in the book of life of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So not all worship. There are those who are faithful, right, that have been written into the book of life. The second beast of Revelation 13 is a land beast. Okay? Rather than a sea beast, rather than coming up in a, in a populated area, it comes up in an unpopulated area, a land beast. Okay? And it also becomes a persecuting power. In fact, it supports the first beast. And so we read there in uh, Revelation 13, verses 12 to 15 now, about this... Um, well, maybe I'll, I'll start in verse 11, actually. Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. And he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those... Uh, sorry, first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven in the earth in the sight of men. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the beast, worship the image of the beast, to be killed. So again, it's a persecuting power. 
Part A, the first part of Revelation 13, is in the past, isn't it? Okay. Today we're living in the part B, in the second part of Revelation 13, in the time of the second beast. Notice in verse 11 that the second beast has lamb-like features. What is it? Lamb-like features. Looks like a lamb. What does that tell you? Which faith is represented by a lamb? Huh? Well, it's, the, it's, it's a Christian, it's a... Christianity um, has Jesus as the lamb, right? But there's obviously a false and a true. And that's what, you know, the Bible points that out. So in the end, this lamb-like beast speaks like a dragon. So it'll be like any other time in, uh, in history where there is persecution, where, you know, good people, or people that think they are doing good, try to force other people to do what they think is good. Is that true? And, uh, you know, using the force of law. Uh, and so that's that union of church and church and state. Now, if you're in doubt as to the identity of these beasts, I suggest that you read the book, The Great Controversy. How many of you have not read The Great Controversy? There's a few. Okay. Well, I've got a few copies here. <laughs> I went and bought a few yesterday. Actually, I bought five of these, um, which I think is, you know... It's like the full text. And then this, there's this one here, which um, it's an adaptation, I think. So they must have um, must have summarised it, I think. I don't know. I haven't read this one. It's called Love Under Fire, The Great Controversy, an, ad an Adaptation in Today's Language. So maybe if you find 100-year-old language difficult to read, you'll read this one. And uh, then there's those who like to skim read. <laughs> No, this one, this one is just like really just like picking out the eyes of, of just a few things, you know. So, But look, if, if you want a copy of, uh, of these books, then I suggest you read this book, The Great Controversy, and particularly the chapter that is entitled Liberty of Conscience Threatened. Liberty of Conscience Threatened. Even better if you can read the whole book. Uh, or if you've read it before, maybe go back and reread the last 12 chapters. Okay, and that puts things into context of end time events uh, and and the time that we're living in. So, as I mentioned, you can also you can also get it if you come to this series in July and August that uh, that we'll be running right here on Wednesday nights and Friday nights. So, according to the scriptures, the reality is that challenging times are a given. <clears throat> So what is the most important thing that we can do now? Well, it's a given that we must oppose for as long as possible. We need to pray. But beyond that, we need to ensure that our connection with the Lord is strong. Just like Daniel's connection was strong, right? That is the key to faithfulness. You know, when we look at the early Christian church, they faced many threats, didn't they? They lived in an environment where if you didn't worship, if you didn't sacrifice to the Caesar, then you were punished. 
And so the Christians were, were persecuted by many of the emperors. And yet the church grew and thrived at that time. They focused on their connection with Jesus and the grace and the power that came through knowing him. In the, the book of Acts, um, we read there about how Paul and Barnabas, Barnabas went around strengthening the churches. And I'm sure that they, you know, they would get discouraged with, with the uh, challenges that they faced all the time and so they needed encouragement. Um, let me read it for you. In Acts chapter 14, verses 21 to 23, it says, this is talking about Paul and Barnabas, when they had preached the gospel in that city, uh, this is Antioch, you know, where Paul was stoned and dragged out and left for dead. Uh, so then they left there. When they preached the gospel in that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith and saying, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. So when they had appointed elders in every church and prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Just like the churches back then need strengthening, encouragement, that's what church is for today. We are here to strengthen and encourage each other. We saw the mission story earlier on, right? Places that you may have never heard of, places that you'll never visit. But these places need encouragement too. They're part of God's family, the church here on earth. And so today when religious freedom hangs in the balance, we need to be strong with the Lord, anchored in our faith, connected to the source of our faith, our strength, our Lord Jesus Christ. In the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 13, after Jesus washes the disciples' feet, you remember he, um, he's basically showing them what a, what a believer should be doing, right? Um, as a servant. He teaches them how we should treat one another. He goes on to say in the next chapter, in chapter 14, he says, let not your heart be troubled. Because Jesus knew that there will be trouble coming, right? Let not your heart be troubled. He says, I will come again. Then he also says, I will not leave you as orphans. He says there in, in, um, in, in verse 30, he says, the ruler of this world is coming, but he has nothing in me. Basically, Jesus is the victor, right? Mm. Satan is the loser. Then in John 15, after they get up from that place where they had had the Last Supper and the foot washing, etc., John 15, they get up and they walk, they're walking out into the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus knows that he's being betrayed at that time. True? He knows that he's going to be abused. He knows that he's going to, you know, be killed. He knows that. And he knows that the disciples are going to suffer similar fates in the future. And he shares there at that time in the, in the dark of the night as they're walking through some very important information that, uh, that we need for our day today as well. John 15 verse 5. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. 
He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Here, Jesus, knowing that his followers would be subject to persecution, tells them the key to remain faithful. He who abides in me and I in him. The key to remaining in Jesus is abiding in him every day. Ensuring that no matter what comes in the future, each day we are connected with the Lord, abiding in his love. In verses 9 and 10 he says, As the Father loved me, I have loved you. Abide in my love. Verse 10, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Interesting. If you, what? It's about worship and obedience. Just like in Daniel, worship and obedience. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Later on in that same chapter, John chapter 15, he says in verse 18, If the world hates you, remember, that it hated me before it hated you. And that's, that's the essence of it really, isn't it? People don't necessarily dislike you. They're really disliking the one who you stand for. Friends, we live in a world that surrounds us with threats. It is literally causing the earth to hang by a thread. At a time, and I'm sure you'll probably all agree, at a time that probably none of us have ever seen before. Is that true? We're living in times today that none of us have ever seen before. The scientists tell us that nature hangs in the balance. The economists tell us that world finances hang in the balance. Everybody who seems to be switching over to these cryptocurrencies now, right? Well, that'll probably go belly up soon too, right? The epidemiologists tell us that health hangs in the balance. And we can see that in places that are being ravaged by this virus around the world at the moment. The historians and the military strategists tell us that world peace hangs in the balance. And my friends, perhaps for some of you, maybe even your faith may at times hang in the balance. Don't focus on the threats. Focus on the connection with Jesus, the vine. We need to be plugged into the source, into the vine. Don't focus on the threats. It's a little bit like we were talking about in our Sabbath school class today with sin, you know. If we focus on the sin, that's what we see. And we stay in our sin, right? It's a little bit like navel gazing, you know, looking down at you. Huh? We need to look up, look to Jesus. And, and Jesus is the one who helps us with our sin, right? And as we look to Jesus, before you know it, hey, you know, he, he's helped us with our sin problem. But we need to look to him first. We need to recognize that we need him. Look to the vine, the true vine. Stay plugged into him. So friends, today as 
religious liberty hangs in the balance. In countries that have enjoyed freedom throughout our modern era, the most important question for me is, for you and me, is, you know, where is my allegiance? Who will I throw my lot behind? How will I be found on the balance on that day of the Lord? The only place of security is to be found in Jesus. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. How many of you are willing to pray? Pray that God continue to hold back those winds, those winds of strife. You know, there was a time... Uh, <clears throat> that um, religious liberty was almost lost in Western countries about a hundred or more years ago. Even here in Sydney, uh, there was a couple of uh, farmers out in Kellyville that were locked up and put in stocks. You remember the stocks? They were put in stocks because they were working in their field on a Sabbath. <laughs> here in Australia. Huh? On a Sabbath. They had become Seventh-day Adventists, right? And there was a law in place that you could only, you know, go to church on Sunday. You, could had, you, you couldn't, you know, be doing these things. Uh, sorry, on Sunday, on Sunday, Sunday. Yeah. So you're right, you're right. So they were out. They went to church on Saturday, on Sabbath. And then on Sunday, they were out plowing their fields. And there was a law against that. And so they were taken to court, uh, etc. And, uh, and there was the law stated that this or that had to happen to them. So they got a choice. You know, either go to jail or go into stocks. And uh, nobody had been in stocks for a long time. Because that was still from the convict era, right? And so they said, well, put us in stocks. <laughs> and parade us around on the back of a wagon. Or I don't know. You know, so they had to scratch their heads. Where are we going to find stocks? Yes. You know, but they, they found the stocks in there. I think in the end, the whole, the newspapers were laughing at the whole matter at the time. And, uh, you know, and eventually the law was changed. But look, friends, we know that there is a time coming where we won't have those freedoms. The freedoms that we enjoy today. So we need to pray. We are told that we need to pray and earnestly act towards keeping the freedoms that we enjoy. Okay? It's more important than ever in a world today that is bombarded with all sorts of messages that as uh, Peter said in the, in the book of Acts, Acts 5 verse 29, he said, we ought to obey God rather than men. We ought to obey God rather than men. Friends, is it your desire that no matter whatever the laws that come out, whatever they declare or don't declare, that we remain faithful to God? Is that your desire? Is it your desire to stay faithful and connected to the source, to Jesus, the true vine? Amen. You know, the challenges that we face today, we don't know, we can't predict the future. They, they may impact our lives, but they may impact the lives of our children's lives, you see. We don't know how much more time we have on this earth. 
But uh, we're told that we need to act. We need to pray. Otherwise, you know, the devil, he just wants to consume people, particularly those that are faithful to God. So friends, uh, my prayer for each one of us is that we stay close to Jesus, the author and finisher of our, our faith, because he is the one that can help us and sustain us and get us through any challenge that comes our way. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we can uh, be overwhelmed by the, the, the challenges that this world faces. But Lord, we know that you know the end from the beginning. You are the God of all creation. You are in control, even though there is so much chaos and suffering in this world. Lord, what, whatever may come, we want to commit and recommit ourselves to you today that uh, we can stand through whatever the fires, the fiery flames that might come our way, the, the, the challenges that are thrown at us. Help us and our families to uh, remain strong in you. And Lord, help us to be a witness, a great witness of your love to others. Help us to share the hope that we have that takes us beyond this world, a world that uh, you have promised. Uh, to create and recreate uh, in, uh, when, when you come back. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This message was made available by the Wallara Seventh-day Adventist Church. For more resources like this, visit wallarachurch.org. Spend time with Jesus by Fountain View Academy. There's a day that our God said, remember. A day he created and blessed. On this day he still calls us together. This day is for worship. Spend this time with Jesus on his seventh day of rest. All of heaven waits to meet us. Jesus calls to us, come and be
the cross, God did not change the Sabbath. This truth in the Bible is plain, and the Sabbath seals all God's ten precepts. His law and His love never change. On this day, our true God claims our worship. This day is His signature seal. When we reading program of 3ABN Australia Radio. Does your faith need a boost? Do you think that miracles only happened in Bible times? Think again. Compiled by Remnant Publications, the book Get Ready for a Miracle recounts true stories that prove that when we step out in faith, God displays His power in undeniable ways. Here is our reader, Koval Smith. This story is entitled, The Lost is Now Found. Philippians chapter 4, verses 19 and 20 says, My God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory for ever and ever. Amen. My wife and I went camping by the river with another couple. Toward evening we went birding. So I could better use my binoculars, I removed my glasses and put them in my shirt pocket with the right earpiece hanging out. As we walked among the bushes by the sandy bank of the river, we saw some amazing birds, parrots, sunbirds, paradise flycatchers and many more. Around dark, we returned to our bug tents to cook a meal and go to sleep. I reached into my pocket and pulled out my glasses, but when I tried to put them back on, they would not stay on my face. The right earpiece was missing. 
To find it in the dark among bushes and sand with only a flashlight sounded nearly impossible. But we knew that God knew where it was and asked him to help us. After a short period of searching, my wife spotted it. It was indeed very difficult to spot like a stick among sticks. We took a picture to remember how camouflaged it was and how God cares about even the little things. A reflection associated with this story comes from Steps to Christ, page 100. Nothing that in any way concerns our peace is too small for him to notice. There is no chapter in our experience too dark for him to read. There is no perplexity too difficult for him to unravel. No calamity can befall the least of his children. No anxiety harass the soul. No joy cheer. No sincere prayer escape the lips of which our Heavenly Father is unobservant or in which he takes no immediate interest. The Lost is Now Found was submitted by American Christian Ministries. American Christian Ministries has been maintaining the integrity of the three angels' messages since 1975. You can visit AmericanChristianMinistries.org for more information. You've been listening to the book reading program by 3ABN Australia Radio, featuring Get Ready for a Miracle. For more information about this book, visit remnantpublications.com. It's been a pleasure bringing you this program here on 3ABN Australia Radio.